My name is Michael Hildebrand, and I'm the director of the Upstate Mobility Alliance. We are a nonprofit focused on making the upstate of South Carolina a vibrant and connected region in the areas of transportation and mobility. Today, we have Ann Angermeyer, Executive Director of Upstate Workforce Board with us. Good morning, Ann. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Michael. Thank you for having me. So first, Ann, just why don't you uh, start by sharing a little bit about your background and the purpose of the Upstate Workforce Board. I was born and grew up in Union, uh, South Carolina, graduated from Converse College, and I've worked in manufacturing field in customer service and sales for about 12 years before getting into workforce development and working in government versus private sector. It's definitely much different. Uh, decisions are made uh, slowly. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, the Workforce Board, they came about under President Reagan in 1984. They were called private, private industry councils back then. And we are mandated to have 51% private business people on our board. I have a board of about 21. They, the reason for that, they felt that the private business people knew what training was needed for the workforce better than anybody else. So that was one good thing about the mandate. We get about $2 million every year to do employment and training activities. And my area is Cherokee, Spartanburg and Union counties. We operate under what's called the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act, which passed in 2014 with regulations coming out in 2016. So what are the common industries that you work with and uh, what's some of the demographic makeup and who are some of the organizations that you partner with? Manufacturing, of course, is the bread and butter of this area and they employ about 44,000 people in our three county area. Then we have healthcare and then retail following closely after that. So a lot of our work is done primarily, the, I would say manufacturing, definitely number one. We have the three counties are very different. Union County, of course, around 27,000 people. Gaffney about double that, and then Spartanburg at 320,000. So they all have very different needs. The, and, and of course in Spartanburg County, you have a plethora of nonprofits that work on socioeconomic issues that we don't have in those smaller counties. So that, that makes it more challenging there. How do you work? What's your relationship with those nonprofits? Um, how do you partner together? We partner with a lot of nonprofits and a lot of government agencies. Within our system, which is called the SC Work System, we'll have 13 to 14 mandated partners. Uh, just a few of those would be vocational rehabilitation, Department of Social Services, Department of Employment and Workforce, Adult Education. Then we partner with United Way on a program for incarcerated individuals. We partner with the Technical College, of course, uh, for training. So it's based on whatever our customers' needs are. We seek out those organizations to help us remove barriers so they can get into education or into um, the workforce. Before COVID, what, what were the workforce needs of the three counties that you serve? And then how have those changed since then? Before COVID, I think it was February, we were at less than 3% unemployment rate, and which means we were past full employment. Full employment basically is a point when your companies have to start raising wages to get employees. And so we were well beyond that. That what happens when you get below 3%, they start taking each other's employees and driving the wages up. So we, we were at that point, which was you know a great, great place to be. It looked quite challenging though. 
And then when COVID hit, you know, we immediately jumped up to almost 15% for the three-county area in unemployment. And a lot of that, I think, was due to companies not knowing what to expect and they, the sanitizing and trying to obtain PPE. So that, I think, with the layoffs, just drove everything much higher on the unemployment side. Also, we we were constantly in a hiring mode, constantly doing recruiting fairs, job fairs, uh, everything face-to-face usually, which changed drastically with COVID. So how are you trying to reach out now to employees? I I at least make the assumption that people are starting to hire again, and maybe you can correct me on that assumption. But but so how are you uh, doing outreach now? Other than the unemployment insurance, that was our biggest challenge is how do we get virtual? Because we had never had to really go that way before. So we, we were able to purchase a platform called the Virtual Job Fair. allowed us to do job fairs virtually, and we see that as something that's going to stick around. We've got a major uh, job manufacturing and distribution job fair this week. We have several companies signed up for that. They're hiring, definitely. What we've seen with, also is having to do virtual once uh, workshops, virtual case management, Anything we could do to keep people from coming in the building because of the six-foot distancing that we have to do. And one thing we're, we're, we're concerned this month because this is the one month that more people will be coming off unemployment than ever. And so we're worried about the lines and the six-foot distancing. It's been challenging, but it's actually working. It's working pretty well now. I think we've gotten everything kind of ironed out, so it's going smoothly. It says, first, we're a little unsure of the virtual job fair, but now they really are gravitating to it, and I think they like it a lot. We have seen an uptick, finally, in the manufacturing hiring, and that one was one we were a little concerned about because if they, with the six-foot distancing, a lot of the smaller manufacturers, especially, they had to really change, change things around within the, the plant. And I think they've got those things worked out and we're starting to see them hiring. My, our biggest concern now, Michael, is those that were on unemployment not wanting to go back to work. We're seeing a lot more of that. We're concerned with the $400 that the state can get through the federal money. Of course, $100 of that has to come from the state, but we hope that doesn't set up the same situation that we saw with the $600. Are businesses to the point where they feel like they have to increase their wages to to encourage people to uh, come back off of unemployment? I don't see that as the case. I just see it. It's too many people can get comfortable when if you're getting, they were getting 600 plus, they were getting the state unemployment. So some people could have been getting 900 plus. And, and a lot of them were part-time retail food service, for example, and would never see that amount anyway. So that, and, and, and a lot of employers were reluctant to turn people in. And if you turn them in, they do an investigation and they eventually will get kicked off of the unemployment. But we encourage the employers to, to turn them in because we need the people in the workforce. And, and yes, companies are having a hard time getting people to come back. So earlier you mentioned um, a couple of barriers being education, and then also you work with formerly incarcerated people to try mm-hmm. to find work. What are some other barriers that you see people face whenever they're trying to find employment? We definitely, transportation is a huge issue in this area, and in, in the rural counties even more so and out in the rural areas. We have a public transportation uh, bus system in Spartanburg, but there's 
really nothing but a small cab company in Union and Cherokee counties. And in Union and Cherokee counties, your Ubers and Lyfts are not prevalent enough to be able to provide steady patient and it's expensive. I think one challenge, we were really working on an issue with transportation before COVID hit with some private sector companies, the United Way, the Economic Futures Groups from our chamber. When COVID hit, of course, everything was put on hold. We, I feel like we're gonna have to have a public-private re relationship to solve some immediate needs with the workforce issues when it relates to transportation. If we're wanting to get people from Woodruff, which is about 16 miles out of the city of Spartanburg, we, we can do some things with Commute with Enterprise to get move, move bodies to jobs. And I think that's what we're gonna to have to do. I don't think we can wait around for government to solve the issue because I just don't think it's gonna happen. No, I agree. I think more and more of this public-private partnership is gonna be key in, in a lot of areas, but especially transportation. And I think it would work, it'll work fairly well in some of the industrial parts where you've got clusters of businesses there hiring cumulatively a large group of people. And, and you mentioned van pools. I think that especially like you said, when you have people that work close by um, in those mm -hmm park type um, areas. I think you're exactly right. Do you have any success stories you want to share? A couple of maybe somebody that sticks out in your mind that, you know, you, you did a, some good work for, maybe a business that's done some really interesting things. We have, I, I just interviewed a gentleman from Union. We're starting to do a success story every month and, and uh, do a Zoom uh, meeting on it and post it on our website. And he, he w had been incarcerated. His name's Donnie. He had been incarcerated. And when he got out, he had heard about the program as he works while he was in prison or in the jail. And when he got out, he came in and he, he was behind on child support. So he really needed to get a job, but he needed a job where he could make a decent living. So we paid $6,000 for him to go through truck driving school. And I estimate he's probably in his 40s. And he went through, passed it the first time. He loves driving. So that was a perfect job for him. And he started out with a company in Union driving uh, for them, probably around, I think it was around 15 an hour. And then after a few, few months, he went up to 18 an hour. But his dream was to get his own truck and to drive independently. And he was able to do that recently. And he is now, you know, accepting contracts and making his own hours. And he and he doesn't mind driving long distance, um, which pays even more. So he's doing great. And he's uh, caught up on his child support. So everything's going good for him. So to hear those success stories, it's great. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And with businesses, one thing we've been able to do is our business services manager has pulled together the sector strategies, manufacturing partnership. And that's a 14 county area sector strategy partnership with several manufacturers. There are probably, I would say 25 on this partnership and it's totally business led. And she's there along with some other partners to service them if they need them. And they have really, they've continued meeting during COVID via Zoom, working on, of course, some of their issues that they were working on pre-COVID were different. And then they grouped together during the COVID to solve some issues related to that. 
So that partnership continues to get stronger and stronger. And we are very excited about that because it is companies from a 14 county area. And I know you're affiliated with 10 at the top, 10, that's a 10 county area. So we have to do things regionally, some problems. Angela, how can the community support you and your organization? You, you've talked about a couple of things where it's just some really great work and our, our communities benefit whenever we have people employed and making livable wages. So how can, how can we as community members support you? Well, one thing you can do is allow high school students into your company for job shadowing. Allow some of our youth that are in a youth program we fund who are high school dropouts working on their GED, allow them to do work experience within your company. We pay their wages. We need places for them to go. Um, speak into the schools uh, about what you do, about your employment needs, really stressing the soft skills. That's a big issue we see now. A lot of people really just don't have soft skills. Then we also have opportunities for mentoring. Um, come and speak to our programs. You can do mock interviews for us with um, job seekers. Of course, we have a nonprofit, the Upstate Workforce Futures Corporation, that supports us, the Workforce Board, donations for that, because we try to do summer programs like the summer STEM camps, things like that, to prepare the students for the workforce. And technical skills are greatly needed in our workforce, so we really push those. Great. So it sounds like there, there are several different ways where people with different skills could, could still reach out and, and help you. Absolutely. Great. And I just appreciate your time this morning, and I thank you for what you do for, for our upstate community. Thank you, Michael.